Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. This episode of Feed is also brought to you by Beach House Soaps. No matter where you live, bring a little bit of the beach to your home with Beach House's all-natural soaps. Be sure to find them at beachhousesoaps.com. Your college hooper of the week this week, Luke Neville, former big man from the University of Utah. Luke Neville, man, Aussie. Tough act to follow going to Utah and following Andrew Bogut, the number one overall pick, Aussie. But Luke Neville was no slouch. I thought he was a pretty good ball player. It's just tough to follow your countrymen who ended up being the number one overall pick and a University of Utah legend. But Luke Neville, your college hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's v-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feed is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. And the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Wishing you all a very happy and safe 4th of July weekend. Taylor, welcome back. One of the best weekends of the year, I have to say. Look, it is my birthday, but it's also summer, lakes, brats, beers, dogs, burgers, outdoors. It's just wonderful. Everyone's in a fantastic mood. Fireworks. The the sky is beautiful. Cotton candy skies, whatever it is. My everything, it's just everything is happy and great. Okay. What is your plan for the weekend? Well, of course, my number one goal is to make sure that you are wished a happy birthday at the just the dawn of the day. Um, and I do have a question about that coming up. But my plan is actually my sister and brother-in-law uh, are here in town and uh, probably just some pool time. You know, Scottsdale's a little warm at 106, 107 degrees here this weekend. But um, fortunately, we should have a number of good fireworks just to view around town where we probably don't even need to leave our home or poolside. So keeping it pretty low key. Now, going back to your birthday, the real most important part of July 4th. When you were a kid, how did your parents explain to you 
all of the activity that was always happening on your birthday? Look, it was very adorable. My mom, when the fireworks were going off, she said, look, those fireworks are for you. Now, my gullible ass and young ass was like, you know what? That is true. Those are for me. I got older. Turns out that the entire country and our forefathers said, we need to celebrate this day with pomp and circumstance and fireworks. So that was a tough learning curve. That's my dog saying hi in the background, squeaking away. Wait, so what, what age were you like, wait a second? This can't just be all for me. I think it was around 10 years old because I understood what time zones were. And I was like, wait, okay, (laughs) this is happening on the West Coast. What sort of bullshit is this? How do they? They don't know me. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. But yeah, the the fireworks are over. What do you got? What are are you celebrating for? (laughs) So so are you uh, uh, going out on a boat this weekend? Is that the word on the street? Going out on a boat, and that's the other thing. Look, every 4th of July, you need to have some sort of body of water. I'm glad you're going to be by a pool. Go to a lake. Go to a river. Go to a pond. I don't care. Go to a quarry. Whatever you want to do, just make sure that you are by a body of water. I will be out on Lake Michigan in the playpen. I'm sure whomever is listening to this that doesn't know me, uh, they know the playpen as like fuck boy, fuck girl central, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Very shameless. It's going to be wonderful. I can't wait to dive into the water with some claws and enjoy myself on Sunday. But yes, we'll be out on the boat. The bigger question for you though, Taylor, bigger question for you. Now we mentioned lakes and bodies of waters, et cetera. A couple of years ago, a friend of ours said to us, look, do you incorporate apple pie? into your starting rotation for 4th of July foods. And I was like, what are you talking about? No. And her whole defense is, well, it's as American as apple pie. Her whole defense is just the same. Now I like apple pie, but I personally think apple pie is reserved for holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that time of year. It's not a 4th of July staple. Am I insane in, in that take? Because I would, I'm not eating apple pie outside at like 95 degrees. No, I, I think you're spot on. I, I hate to say this because I know this is going to be even more controversial than what you just said. And that's, I don't even like apple pie, like as a general statement, I don't like it 365 days a year. So I, I don't see any real need for it. When I think of a pie, I definitely am thinking more though. Like you said, Christmas, Thanksgiving, maybe an Easter perhaps thrown in there, whatever. But no, I, I, I guess to me, it, my thanks or my, uh, my July 4th meal needs to be like easily prepped if I'm on a boat, right. Or if I'm at the lake or w- wherever I'm, I may be, right. That apple pie is going to take up a lot of room in the cooler. What's more important, Coors Lights, Bud Lights, apple pie in that cooler. I know what I'm going with. I'm going with the liquids in that situation. You know, what's going to get smashed, and travels in the back of the truck and then out onto the dock and then onto the boat. And then it's going to get messy. How are you eating an apple pie? Like you don't have a fork and a knife and a plate on a boat in the playpen there, whatever the fuck that is. So, I don't, you know, that's, that's just me. I'm, I'm completely out on, on, on that notion that it has to be included in July 4th. I kind of understand it. If you're going over to a barbecue and you're tasked with bringing a dessert, you can bring a pie fine, but if I mean that that is such an afterthought 
as opposed to brats, burgers, dogs, all that stuff that I had just mentioned about a couple of minutes ago. So I, I just want to make sure that everyone knows apple pie is not a fixture. It is not a staple. Thomas Jefferson, our forefathers, did not have that in mind when they said we want to say it's not like they said we want to celebrate this day with pomp and circumstance and fucking apple pie. That's not what they said. They said fireworks, pomp and circumstance, all that good stuff. So look, I'm not going to be having apple pie, although I'll tell you what. If it's presented to me, this is the slob in me. I have slob chronicles, hashtag slob chronicles on my personal Twitter account. If it's presented to me, who knows? I might dive into it. Speaking of diving in, uh, we got a great episode for you today as we return to form. Last episode, I said I, I swift, I completely whiffed on our June guests, but we return to form and we have university or former University of Illinois big man, Maverick Morgan. Before we dive in and get to his interview, Taylor, the NIL uh, for college athletics. Basically, you can now uh, profit off of your name, image, and likeness. And of course, so how, how odd is this? Jordan Bohannon, Iowa's, Iowa's guard, is going to be signing autographs at a fireworks store in Iowa. I think that's the first official uh, item of business for this for for players in the NIL. He's had quite an off season now. Jordan Bohannon had one of the worst games in in the tournament, and then he got his ass beat at a bar. And now, good for him. He's getting the bag, uh, and he is signing autographs at some local fireworks store. Your general thoughts, though, on this passing and this now being legal for college athletes? Well, it's a good thing we've t- discussed it. A number of times as this has come along over the the last year especially but over the course of years um i guess the the thing to look for now is the ncaa always has like something in mind they're not just this wholesome innocent like governing body right so how are they going to manipulate this to like put a cap on it or you know i know that the verbiage doesn't suggest that that will happen but you know the ncaa isn't just going to give this shit up without trying to get a cut of this in some way shape or form so that's what you know the umbrella view of it is is, it's great right um we're not talking about millions of dollars that these players are going to get right what jordan bohannon is doing is going to be much more of like the average person you know nobody from the Evansville purple aces is, is going to make a million dollars doing any of this stuff, right? They might make $10,000 over the course of a couple of years for like a local car dealership or something like that. So I think the detractors to this are thinking too much about like the Zion Williamson's of the world and how much money they're going to make. When in reality, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Zion's going to make a hundred million dollars, whether a million of that is at Duke or not, doesn't really matter in my mind, right? That to me, to me, it's neither here nor there. Uh, what will really be interesting is uh, to monitor over the next couple of years is how this is used in like recruiting, right? Uh, just like uh, Jim Click in Tucson is a huge uh, booster for University of Arizona, right? So does that mean that every year the newest freshmen on the team all of a sudden are in a commercial for Jim Click and they get paid X amount of dollars? How how we go about um, uh, legislating that or deciding how much is too much is going to be very interesting. But like I said, the umbrella view of it is it is a good thing uh, overall. I'm looking forward to those local businesses. I am looking forward to a burrito shop. I'm looking forward to a tire shop. I'm looking forward to a chiropractor. 
someone just trying to get their name out there and they introduce these local legends, right? Imagine Luca Garza promoting, I don't know, what's a, what's a, what's a local business, like a, a florist. Imagine Luca Garza promoting a, a local florist in Iowa City. They'd get flooded with business, I feel like. Right, if you can get your paws on Luca Garza to be your spokesperson, how funny would that? That's the other thing. Like, look, we we need to stop taking this so damn seriously. This is going to be hysterical. Jordan Bohannon is at some fucking hole in the wall fireworks place in Iowa signing autographs. I mean, good for him. It's just hysterical to think about. Well, and I think again, going back to kind of what I said, it's kind of counterintuitive to think who's going to actually make the most money off or benefit the most from this, right? Like a college athlete in Los Angeles is probably not going to get paid nearly as much as like a Luca Garza in Iowa City because nobody cares about the starting two guard for USC in LA. No one does, right? But the entire state of Iowa cares deeply about like who the best player on the University of Iowa uh, basketball team is. So I think it's going to be those small towns that are are where these players are going to benefit the most. Um, you know, obviously we said people like Zion Williamson and th- that being a whole different story. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do think that uh, the little, the college towns, I wonder, well, maybe we'll have to come up with a list of like towns that would be the best uh, uh, to make money in as a college, a college uh, player, you know, like uh, maybe Columbus, Columbus would be a good one. Cause even though that's a major city, they still care about Ohio state more than anything else. So yeah, I, I, I know that we've talked about it a lot on this uh, episode or on this um, podcast, but I'm just happy that it finally happened. And I don't think that there was a way that the NCAA could, could stop this from happening anymore. It was just time. There was going to be too much backlash if it didn't uh, start to roll this way. It did seem pretty inevitable. And you know what? I like to think that our couple of years on this platform, pushing the ball forward has led us to the place that we are right now. Certainly going to be a lot of fun to watch how players take advantage of it. Going to be a lot of fun to see how this plays out in recruiting. Get with the times, people. All right, let's go ahead now and get to our interview with Maverick Morgan. We now welcome in former University of Illinois big man Maverick Morgan. Maverick, thanks for joining us, man. Let me start with this. So Taylor and I just got off of a discussion talking about the 4th of July. It is 4th of July weekend. Uh, is apple pie a staple of the 4th of July? Let me start right there before we get into any hoops. I, I If we're doing some kind of like snake draft for 4th of July, I, I, I feel like it should have its place. But I we, when I think apple pie, I think just like America in general. N- not necessarily 4th of July. I don't know. What, what were your guys' takes on that? That's where I'm at. Like it's okay. as American as apple pie. We understand that. But when I think pies, I think like Christmas time, holidays. Not I'm not – putting down pies during the 4th of July. I'm eating dogs, brats, burgers. Yeah, yeah, like heat. I don't know. I, I I don't do well in the heat with eating hot foods. I don't I don't even like apple pie. Like, I, just as a general, I don't, I don't know if that makes me un-American, but I just don't even like it <laughs> I, I, in totality, no matter what time of year it is. So I'm, I'm anti-apple pie. I don't know if that makes me, like, a commie or anything like that, but that's where I stand on apple pie. Comrade Taylor. <laughs> yeah, this is a great introduction, Comrade Taylor over here. I mean, look, that's an outrageous take. Apple pie has its moment. It has its place. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you were to concoct your best 4th of July day, Maverick, what would it be? Honestly, like barbecuing, definitely like eating brats like you were touching on, like something on the grill. doesn't have to be me. Not not a control, like 
hey, like you need to flip those burgers, bro. But it, honestly, if it's me or not, just any anything around a grill is nice. That's a good okay. I think two staples being any anywhere near a body of water, lake, pond, river, whatever it is, ocean, and a grill. Two components that are absolutely necessary to a good fourth of July, right? Agreed. All right, let's dive in now. And I, I what I like to do, Maverick, is usually just start chronologically here. So you're from Springboro, Ohio, correct? Yep, you got it. Springboro, Ohio. That's around the Dayton area for those listening. We have a pretty heavy listenership, viewership from the Southwest Ohio area. Now you're listed at 6'10". Are you 6'10 or are you shorter or are you taller than that? Uh, I am legit. That's 6'10". Yeah, straight up. I, I Honestly, at, at you know the forward center position, there's you, you don't get you know much props for listing it, you know, what you're not. So yeah, I'm, I'm 6'10". So 6'10". Did you just dominate high school basketball? Like, was was there any sort of competition? Like, were you challenged at all? Or was it sort of like dunking on a Fisher Price net for the rest of us? You know, I, I think two, two schools of thought, you just kind of rattled it off. Like, I am from Springboro, Ohio, like a little more rural town in between Dayton and Cincinnati. So, obviously, that's kind of like football land. Um, I'm sure your listeners know that. Like, people just associate that with you know, football, you see like Moeller, Centerville, like teams, teams around where I grew up and they're like playing on ESPN for high school football. So that's kind of like the MO of the area. Um, I think I averaged like 20, 25 and 10 in high school. Definitely, definitely did not average that, you know, later in my career. So I think that says a little something about the area, but um, yeah, it, it, it was fun in high school. So you were obviously good enough to be recruited by Illinois and go to Illinois where they're Anyone else in your area specifically that was a, a D1 recruit or maybe someone you remember playing in high school that was like, oh, that guy, that guy's going somewhere? Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think of people who really stuck around the area. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Jerron Simmons, he's actually, I believe, a GA. He was up at Michigan. I think he's taking on a new role next year, but he actually played at Ohio University, did his fifth year um, with the transfer rule, played at Michigan, and then he was the GA, I believe, last year. Um, th- that's really the first person that comes to mind. He played at Alter High School. Good friend of mine, just great all around guy. Southwest Ohio produces some serious athletes. You mentioned Centerville. I think like isn't AJ Hawk or Nick Mangold like aren't those guys from from around that area? I might be wrong. Um, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent about AJ Hawk. I'm probably my dad. If he listens to this, will probably kill me. But the the, the big uh, you know the pride of Springboro is probably Jake Ballard. He was the tight end at Ohio State, um, you know, won a Super Bowl with the Giants, then got traded to the Patriots, and um, I believe still lives in Columbus, has like his own uh, realty deal, like does really well for himself, really nice guy. So going back to what Taylor had said specifically regarding basketball, Luke Kennard. So Luke Kennard's from the Dayton area, I believe. I think he's from Middletown, which isn't too far away, and I think he's two years younger than you. Like, Did you hear about Luke Kennard? playing hoops I, I i've heard of him once or twice honestly <laughs> yeah, maybe it whispers no he, he's actually from uh, franklin ohio um one reason you can know that if you're ever driving through southwest ohio if you feel yourself there um when you arrive at franklin it is bam home of luke Kennard. no joke that is true um, already yeah yeah man uh this has been there for i want to say like two years now it's wild so he his father and my father were actually pretty good friends um I think we, the whole city of Springboro, did everything possible to try to get him to come over. It just didn't happen. And um, speaking of Middletown, that's, uh, I think his father and my father both grew up there. 
So AJ Hawk is from Centerville, by the way. So oh, good, there we go. Good work. Dude, this good is work. this is this is what happens when your entire like immediate family that you're going to marry into is like from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just seeps into your blood here, right? So so where did you guys play? Like, did you have a, a pretty good success your high school team? Did you? go to the state tournament where uh, we've we've talked to so many uh people on this podcast but i forget to ask them like where where do they play the state tournament in ohio is that something you got to be a part of yeah so we actually played in the trying to get my uh little brackets right regionals regionals in um cincinnati and we actually beat we beat the number two team in the state which was moeller uh the team you watch you know on espn for football a lot Ended up losing to the team that won state my senior year, which is pretty tough. Um, honestly, just how you know the high school playoffs are set up is just kind of regional based, just based on geography. So, in theory, we should have been playing each other in the championship. I I would like to think so. I'm looking back, being all nostalgic, like I should have been there. But um, honestly, the team that beat us went on to win the whole thing. So excited for them. Well, and I always have. I mean, so just to preface that I'm, I grew up in Alaska. So there's literally like 12 total high school basketball teams there essentially. So the fact that everybody else has regionals at like legit arenas and stuff like that is always something that I look at and I'm like, Oh, well we just went like fucking down the street. <laughs> you know, like like the, the biggest gym we could find. And that's where everyone played at. So I always find it interesting to see where, you know, Ohio, great athletic state and with a number of great cities that have big arenas. Uh, so I always find that to be uh, a little different than what I grew up with. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, did you guys have like each person, each team could have like one bear on the team or like, uh, well, like one brown trout. You could have like a fly fisherman during, during free throws. What, what's up with that? <laughs> one brown trout. <laughs> uh, that's just fun. yeah we took uh they took they much dogs to every uh to every event so but but get this actually you'll find this interesting and in, in subi I, I believe you know this but um all the teams up there fly to like every game essentially so think oh, about wow. the travel budget for like a an 800 person high school they have to fly to like half Holy of smokes. their games yeah it's like they're like NBA teams up there, right? So <laughs> they they even have this one road trip where you have to charter a plane to uh, one of the destinations. So uh, oh, it's a little less glamorous than the NBA, but uh, but hey, maybe same concept, I guess. That is wild. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, it, having met Taylor the second he said he was from Alaska, I was like, all right, well, that's an amazing icebreaker with literally anyone you want to talk to. I think I just witnessed it right here to, to be frank, but Maverick, I want to get back to Ohio and put you on the spot here a little bit quiz you, because I think it's one of my, one of my favorite Ohio nuggets in a uh, vat of Ohio nuggets, right? Do you know who the all-time leader in points is in Ohio high school basketball? Oh, I'm going to start off by saying no. Um, I'm going to take a stab at it. Um, maybe like Mike Blevins. Mike Blevins. Is, 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 is that a name we're familiar with? He might be somewhere on the list. I don't have the list pulled up, Taylor. I might have you pull that up real quick, but I know number one. Number two, actually, is Luke Kennard. Number one, a lot of people would probably just – default and say lebron james but no it was former ohio state sharps shooter john diebler now does that name ring a bell to you 
Very much so. And uh, now that you say that, I, I'd like to say I knew it, but it, it does sound familiar. I, I'm not going to say I knew that with confidence, but yeah, I mean, that, that guy was lights out at Ohio State. When he hit, what what was it? I think like 10 or 11 threes in that one game. I think it was a tournament game. That, that was just absolutely bonkers. He was incredible. So, I mean, I, I want to ask you, growing up, obviously, around basketball in Ohio, like, what was your experience like watching guys like a LeBron James when you were, I don't know, maybe 10 years old or so, watching guys at Ohio State play Mike Conley, Greg Oden, right here in, in your hometown state, even guys at Cincinnati, which were close to you and Xavier? Yeah, um, went to a ton of the Xavier Dayton games or even, you know, the Cincinnati Xavier, like the Crosstown shootouts. I, I grew up going to those and Dayton Flyers games, you know, even even when the Flyers, you know, historically weren't always good. Like they have, you know, 13, 14,000 people there night in, night out um, for LeBron. I did see LeBron drop. I want to say like it was north of 40 guys. It was like 42 or 43 over at uh, Flying to the Hoop tournament it's uh it's it's pretty cool tournament essentially like the best teams in ohio you know zip down to dayton the dayton area it's like a fundraiser tournament and they play the best teams in the country so i believe like jabari was there and like huntington prep uh like img those those type caliber teams actually come in and play the ohio teams for for a good cause so it's pretty cool where where was that at uh in in dayton actually it was at uh at a high school arena um, I think Fair Fairfield, Fairview, something with a fair. So you know, going to all these games and and whatnot, growing up, did, when you first got into basketball, especially into high school, grew to be six ten. Did you have uh, maybe a school in mind that you wanted to go to locally, or were you pretty open to going anywhere and everywhere? You know, I, when it first started, um, honestly, when I first started playing basketball, like I was, I was a freshman in high school. I played freshman basketball. I didn't play like JV. I didn't play varsity. Um, I, I was not great, boys. I'll be the first one to tell you. So, you know, these lofty expectations like weren't really there. Um, kind of like blossomed like while I was in high school, but I, I did, definitely didn't have any, you know, regional uh, ceiling I put on myself. Like I, I loved going to the Dayton games growing up. Like Dayton and Xavier were definitely on like my final list of schools. Everyone's great there. You know, there, there's a number of coaches that came and went while I was in high school, but they were all great. So I, I didn't really have too many limits set like geographically. Did you, did you experience like a growth spurt at some point? Like so freshman year, what, what height were you, I guess? I, probably like – I don't know. My growth was like not like this. It was just like slow, slow and steady. Got to get my pen in the camera. Like slow and steady. I, I was probably, I don't know, like six six my freshman year. So like just just a six six skinny kid, just so, bulked up, got a little taller. So that means that you were still six plus as an eighth grader, and nobody like had forced you to play basketball at that point. I I, I was playing basketball. I, I was a big baseball guy. Uh, wow. I was I was like a pitcher, first baseman. Um, all that bit. I I think I got my uh, I, Dude, I pull up the memorabilia, hey. please. Ooh, just got a new glove. <laughs> a little Rawlings action. Yeah, you, so you, we, you're bringing a basketball player on. I don't know why. Yeah, I was gonna say. Guy. I was gonna say. I don't even know why we're talking hoops. You, you. So what you're saying is you could have been Randy Johnson instead. Oh yeah, I yeah. I, I, I'll take that out there smashing birds. I love it. So you're you're essentially one of the guys that I hate. 
let me let me just be frank with you. You're like, oh yeah, I guess I'll just start to play basketball this year. Then four years later, you're going to fucking Illinois. You know, like like, like not just like oh maybe I'll ease into this. You know, I, I I did play my whole life. I played like football, baseball, basketball my whole life. And part of part of the decision that probably you know got me where I am today or where I was was just the fact that I did grow up in Southwest Ohio where. The AJ Hawks, the Jake Ballards, like Braxton Miller, like all those guys played in our league. And one selfishly just didn't want to get like broken in half playing tight end. I, I wasn't always like a bulky guy. I am no longer anymore. But there was a period where I was like, oh, like I'm I'm pretty strong dude. But in high school, that was not me. And that that definitely influenced me, you know, one, to stop playing football and two, just really hone in on the basketball aspect. So did you play both? baseball and basketball throughout your entire career or call it or high school career, excuse me. Or like, was there a point where you said I am solely focusing on hoops? Yeah. So my freshman year, um, take that back eighth grade, I actually only played basketball. And from then on, um, that, that was my jam. At what point then in high school, did you say to yourself or maybe even have a discussion with your family where you're like, look, D one is a real viable option here. Yeah, my my dad played D one um, in Lee University in Tennessee, just a smaller smaller school, Christian school. He kind of his parenting style, like always there for me. But he was like, "Hey, Mav, you know, I played my sports. Like, if you want to do this, do it. If you don't, don't." Um, so I think that honestly, in some way, just sort of encouraged me to just go a little harder with basketball, just because I realized, hey, like this is me doing this. It's something I want to do. My parents were super supportive. Like, can't tell you how many times, like, my friends and I, teammates, whatever it may be, just piled in the old uh, Honda Odyssey, like the golden rocket, and we're just zipping off to practice. Like, sometimes practice in, like, Indiana when I uh, played on, like, India League for a while for AAU, and it was, you know, long hauls. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they were super supportive the whole time. So when you were going through the AAU teams and stuff like that, were, were A, was there a team that you really enjoyed playing on more than another? And then B, was there a tournament that you maybe enjoyed or maybe that's notable where you maybe dominated one game and you were like, oh, shit, like, I can do this. Like, I'm out here now. Yeah, I played on a familiar name for you guys, like Dan Dockage. Um, I actually played with his son um, on a team. Andrew? Andrew, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, let me real quick. The shark who's our third guy here. He loves Dan Dockage. Now I'm not going to lie to you, Mav. I'm not the biggest Dan Dockage fan. Neither is Taylor, but the fact that you have close ties to Dockage is going to make this guy very jealous that he's not here. Yeah, man. Sorry. But yeah, pass along the condolences, but yeah, I'm big doc guy. I've uh, like, he's had us on like, uh, I think it's six seventy the fan, the AM channel he does over there. Like we've stayed at his house and stuff. Great family, like great kids. Love Andrew. But playing playing on that team was probably like the most fun I had playing with AU. We had a good group of guys. Um, we had people go to see like Evansville, Purple Aces, like New Mexico, Lobos, just a, a lot of guys, a lot of like high level players that ended up at, you know, various colleges, just had good chemistry with that team. For, uh, for tournaments, Taylor, I really liked going to Vegas. And just because it was like, I don't know, it was Vegas. It was cool. We could walk around, see the hotels. But we actually, um, when I was with a different team, uh, Kevin Martin, if you guys remember him from the Kings, um, one of his good buddies like kind of ran a 
ran an AAU program because uh, Kmart was like on Team Jordan. So we got like all the cool gear and all that bit. So we actually went out there and won a tournament in Vegas. That was really fun. That's crazy. I've I've long said about Kevin Martin, whenever someone tries to like knock his shooting form or Sean Marion's shooting form, like got him that far, got Sean Marion an NBA yeah, title. Right. Yeah. I mean, if somebody can have a free throw like Sean Marion, I, I think, you know, anybody can do anything. <laughs> hey, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton kind of has the same the same shot really yeah and, yeah I mean, and he was first was, was he first team all uh rookie this year i think in the yeah NBA? so knocking it down yeah no doubt so well so that's pretty cool i guess i was my next question was going to be is yeah i guess what you know what was the uh coolest part of being a part of these aau uh tournaments but i guess you kind of already answered that question was the free gear from kevin martin it, it, it wasn't it wasn't bad you know uh I, I was in high school at the time so like you know college obviously that's you know i don't want to say that gear is like raining around you or anything but like if, if you need something like you can get it um of course but yeah in in high school that was that was pretty cool i i used to be a sneaker guy so that was that was pretty important to me a young man i'm sure and i'm sure that that didn't stop there at at Illinois as well. I want to open it up now and talk a little bit about your recruiting process. So you had mentioned teammates going to New Mexico. You mentioned some guys, I think you said Dayton, Cincinnati. Tell us specifically though, your recruitment process. Like when did it start? Who was in your living room? Which coaches? Can you give us a little bit of a a look behind the curtain there to your recruiting process? Yeah. So before I cut it down to, I believe it was eight, eight final schools. Um, I believe the first offer I got 100% was Wright State University uh, with uh, Coach Donlin, and I believe I believe he's moved on since. Um, he he had some good teams there. Like he was the first person to offer me, first person to like come to open gyms, and I just thought this was like so foreign. And I remember my high school coach being like, I don't know, a, a little more calm about it than myself, just because he had obviously been there a while and like seen good players come through, and this was like so new to me. So he was actually the first person to offer me. I was so excited about this. And I had people like asking me like, oh, like, Matt, are you going to take the scholarship? And I'm like, eh, like, I don't know. Am I like, who knows? Um, that was my going into my sophomore year. Um, so that year I had a really good AAU season, you know, transitioning um, to my sophomore year there, switch teams. That's when I was on Indiana Elite. Things were going really well. And then the offers just kind of started coming in. Um you know, in some ways, as you guys know, like different schools, sometimes their recruiting strategy will be like, you know, a school offers you and then comes, you know, B, C, D, E, F. That's how it goes. In some in some ways, like some schools can afford to like Kentucky can offer like the top five positions, five, top five kids at every position. And they'll, they're will they going to land one or two of them. Uh, I, I wasn't there at all, but just I would say the local schools were probably the most involved at first, just getting invited to you know, play at Dayton open gyms, Xavier opened at open gyms, like guys like two Holloway, just like crossing me up. And I'm like 15 That's years sick. old. I'm like, Oh my God, like get me out of here. My dad just like had to take me. Cause I didn't have, even have my driver's license yet. And he's just watching his son, like get his ass busted with like no one in the gym. It's hilarious. I'm sure. Hey, hey man, do not have any shame getting your ass busted by <laughs> two Holloway, two Holloway and Jordan Crawford put on one of the greatest tourney games we've ever seen. Gus Johnson, Kansas State, that was a fire game. So, I mean, look, that's a badge of honor as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, watching Crawford or, like, whoever he's crossing up, you know, LeBron, whatever, like, that guy's an animal. 
I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about, man. That that video scrubbed from the internet. And <laughs> <laughs> that there's no video. No, it didn't happen. So yeah, yeah. So, our, our Wi-Fi is probably going to go out. Like it's going to be like Mr. <laughs> Mr. James has Mr. James has disconnected your Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh, that's great. So um, when you were going through the recruiting process, and you kind of touched on it just right there, um, how many uh, recruiting visits did you take to schools? Did you take all of your official visits? Uh, where did you go? And uh, is there anything you'd like to share that happened notably on any of those recruiting visits? Yeah, for sure. Um, I took a ton of visits, like anything drivable, I would just kind of, uh, I don't want to say make a trip out of it. Like, obviously, we're there, you know, kind of on a mission. It's a business trip. But like my mother and I drove to a lot of places. Um, like I said, you know, I didn't take a ton of, I didn't use an official visit on something like Dayton or Xavier just because, you know, it's a, it's not within like arm shot. But, you know, it's it's really close. Like we could drive down there and I've I'd, I'd been going there for years. Um, notable official visits. Tell you what, th- there was a time, time and a place, Taylor, where I was, trying to plan these official visits somewhat around game day for football, like college game day. Um, Coolest one was probably I went out to USC, one of my uncles, Southern Cal. They were actually playing Stanford with uh, Stanford had like Andrew Luck. And it was like a triple overtime game. Like it was just wild. And I happened to be there at the same time as Shabazz Muhammad. And I, I, I might as well have been as plus one guys because it was like Shabazz this, Shabazz that. But I was I was rolling with the crew, right? So I, I got like, honestly, we were treated like kings just because we were with Shabazz and his brother, and I wouldn't have it any other way. That is totally fine with me. Got to see a kick-ass football game, hang out, you know, hang with the guys, see all that. It was, it was really fun. That's crazy. I mean, obviously we know Shabazz ended up at, at UCLA. Uh, was anyone else there, like a part of that group? Was it just you and Shabazz? Was there anyone else notable that you guys were hanging out with? I'm sure his younger brother, I'm blanking on his name, has a had had a blonde mohawk at the time, if if I remember correctly. Uh, something Muhammad. I, I forget his younger brother's name, but uh, he was there as well. Dude, that's that's incredible. Uh, so you mentioned USC. Who were some of the other schools then that uh, came into your living room or that you took visits to far and wide? Yeah, um, really enjoyed my visit to West Virginia. Um, That was pretty cool to hang with like Truck and like KJ, some of the guys, you know, about to go through the NBA process, which was, you know, at my time, like or at that time, like a huge dream of mine. Uh, That was really fun. Vanderbilt was a good visit. Obviously, Illinois was a cool visit and little little peek behind the curtain. I don't know how many people know this. I was kind of going on a like a Big Ten tour unofficially, if you will. So I, I went to Ohio State, went to Illinois, was then supposed to go to Wisconsin and then Minnesota following that. And I just like stopped my trip early at Illinois. Um, so I, I, I know some people know that, but that's, I don't know, something I haven't shared a ton. Like I was supposed to go on to Wisconsin and then Minnesota after that as well and just just called it quits early. I was like, hey, this is this is where I want to be. I love this place and good decision. Yeah. So before I touch on that, who was coaching? Was that Enfield's first year at UC, USC when you were there? Um, Actually. Uh, or was that Kevin, o- Kevin O'Neill's last yeah, year? Yeah, Kevin O'Neill's last year. Yeah, it interesting guy i mean we've all we've all read the articles and like seen seen some of the wild shit he's done but he's he was fun dude yeah nice right guy. 
yeah, we know him pretty well at uh, Arizona as well. <laughs> yeah, Un- yeah, un- sure. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, out there picking fights at like airport bars, was it? Something like uh, that? I th- yeah. Or, or, a hotel or, or, bar? By, I think it was by Staples Center during the Pac-12 tournament a couple of okay. years ago. <laughs> LA Live, yeah. His wife. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. So, so you talked about obviously cutting your trip short at Illinois. So, what was it specifically? Was there like an aha moment when you walked into the arena or met with any of the coaches and were just like, "Oh no, I'm in. This is this is where I'm going." Yeah, I, I think the first aha moment or just the moment that made me like really think about it was um, just kind of getting ready for bed after kind of like a relaxing night, playing open gym with the guys, hanging out, got dinner with some of the coaches. Like that was great, but just thinking about waking up the next day and like, Oh, we're going to Wisconsin. Then we're going to, you know, Minnesota. And I was just kind of like, I I don't want to do that. Not because I was tired of traveling. I'd done this a million times. It was just like, I, I really don't feel the need. Um, so I, I met with my father and mother. They were both there, called up my best friend. Who's like, happens to be a crazy Illinois fan. I was like, Hey man, we're, we're breaking this tomorrow morning, but uh, your, your boy is calling Illinois home. It's official. And uh, then the next morning, I, I told the coaches, called everyone up, and that was that. Did you have, like, a ceremony or anything televised locally in in uh, Springboro, like, in your gym with a table, and you had a couple hats out, and you chose the Illinois hat? Did that ever happen when you had a decision to be made? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happened. Yeah, it happened, man. It, it, it was, Take advantage of it, dude. I'm not, I'm not even putting you on blast. I do the same thing. I am not 100% if this was televised. This could have been a photo op. I, I wonder if I could dig it up or something. Uh, but, yeah, it was – I believe it was just a – like a Springboro. It was a piece of our sideline. It wasn't even a table. So we had, like, the movable, like, snaky sideline. We just, like, scooted one out, centered it, and I think we, like, threw, a, like, an Illinois flag or something with a hat there. But, so, yes, it happened. Yep. <laughs> If you can dig that up, please send it out. I'm going to tweet out this episode, and I'll probably use that as the photo underneath the, the tweet, if that's okay with you. Oh, yeah. Beautiful photo. Probably have my uh, like long, wiry, spidery hair. Probably like I, – I, th- I think it's an Illinois snapback. I, I believe I still have the hat. So. I mean, that was like prime snapback era too. Oh, so snapback to, season. Had, yeah. It had to have been. So, so at what point did you meet uh, – the other recruits in your class that year? Cause I think was Kendrick Nunn a part of your class. Yep. It was me, Ken, um, Jay Tate, Malcolm Hill and Austin Colbert as well. Um, Austin, you guys might not know as much. He, he actually transferred out that following year, but um, Kendrick, of course you guys know. And then Jalen, um, you know, being a Chicago guy, you guys know him playing with Jabari and Kendrick and then Malcolm's out from, Bellevue, Bellevue East, out by St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right there. But I mean, th- those when I was looking at the roster names and I saw Kendrick Nunn, I was shocked because I think a lot of people last year with his breakout season and he was in the running for Rookie of the Year. He had a wonderful season and then he carried it over into the bubble, contributing to a, an Eastern Conference Finals team. Right in your wildest imagination, did you think a Kendrick Nunn could be a contributor? on a finals team, did you think a Luke Kennard back in high school could be contributing and two wins away from the NBA finals? Does it kind of blow your mind sometimes that you were so close with these guys and now here they are? Um, you know, it's kind of a two-part question. It, it, it does blow my mind that I know these guys 
and like able to still communicate with them. Like we, we don't talk every day. I check in with Kendrick maybe, I don't know, once a month, once every few months, nice kid, love Luke as well. Good family. But as far as like being surprised they're at where they're at, not at all. And I, I could say with confidence, at least I don't want to speak for anyone else in Illinois, but like Kendrick is just a bucket and a high level player. Um, of course, you know, whatever happened in Illinois happened, the guy learned from it, switched schools, absolutely crushed it at Oakland, like fucking leading the country and scoring like the, the guy absolutely killed it. But either of those guys, I, I don't think I'm very surprised like where they're at now. Did you ever have to stick Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn in practice? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> so I guess let's dive in uh, a little bit to your the start of your ba- uh, college basketball career. So when you got in there, even though you played all these high level AAU tournaments and you know played you know really good talent in high school in general, did that first day or first week at practice was that like a a real like learning experience where you're like oh these are like grown men I'm playing against now, not just a bunch of people who are my age. Talking about first week, first practice, shit, Taylor, like first year. How about that? Do you want better? Yeah, I mean, just like the man strength of a Nana Egwu type player. Like I I would come home from like two days in the summer, like over winter break, and I would just feel like, I don't know, I would like touch my ribcage and be like, oh, like this shit might be broken. (laughs) Like do I need to get an extra? Like what's up? Just, Just that and just the pace of the game. Um, just from high school to college. And then I would just say the third piece that's really wild is just the workouts, Um, just not spot shooting, just like a combination of cardio and, you know, whatever the hell you're doing, I don't care who you are. If you're paying somebody in high school, like the college workouts are different. Um, Hate to be the guy that's like, Oh, they're just, they just hit different, but man, they, they do the, the players hit different physically. And yeah, the, the workouts definitely do as well. So what do you think was the biggest key for you to adjust to that different type of level? Yeah, coming in, um, yeah, spoilers. I came in about close to 270. I I, I was the skinny guy my freshman year, and I just, like, bulked up after that. I was, like, I was, like, thick, strong. Like, I don't want to say fat, strong. I wasn't fat. I was was thick. And just I trimmed down to probably – it was like south at 240. I was probably like 235 at one point and just building my muscle back up to stay, you know, hover around like 255 was kind of the sweet spot for me that I really started playing well at. But yeah, just dropping all that excess weight and, you know, just kind of trying to treat your body like more of like a thoroughbred racehorse, stealing a grossism there for you guys versus, you know, just like, oh, like, let me eat this, let me eat that, like, whatever, I'll have this snack, just. I, I would say most of it is attributed to Adam Fletcher. Um, Fletch, strength coach, he's still there. Love the guy to death. Like, would not be where I was then or where I am now without him. So I'm looking at that roster, and you guys really didn't have a lot of bigs on that roster. You were pretty much the tallest dude on the team right away, you and, and Egwu there. You know, Colbert was 6'9", but you didn't have a lot of, uh, of anyone bigger than you um, right off from the jump there. So were you put into maybe some different roles in practice or even in the first couple of games if, because you were one of the few bigs on that team that maybe you just weren't weren't ready for or you just kind of got thrown into the fire maybe? Uh, yeah, for sure. I would, I, you know, I would use both those uh, 
idioms to describe what happened. <laughs> uh, Nana Agu, like he he was the man. He was the player. Like the the impact defensively he had on the game was just like un, unmeasurable. I know he had you know the most blocks ever in a year at Illinois, but that's that's kind of maybe the only physical piece of statistic that he really like left his mark there. Just the number of shots he affected was absolutely nuts. And the, the guy can't play 40 minutes. I mean, nobody can at a hundred percent, especially not, you know, at the level he plays. So I, I was put in there. Yeah. Thrown in the fire, like you said, Taylor, and I kind of had to figure it out on the fly somewhat and wasn't ready for all of it. Um, but I was going to, you know, do my best to come back the next year and be as ready as I could. You mentioned a grossism. I wanted to talk a little bit about your head coach, John Gross. What was his approach to the game? How was he in practice? Because if I remember correctly, and by the way, he's currently at Akron, I believe. But if I remember correctly watching him, he seemed like a pretty intense guy on the sideline. Uh, He seemed like a very, like definitely, I don't know. He reminded me just of like a taller, skinnier Mick Cronin, almost bald, underbite, just super, (laughs) just super angry 24-7. Is that what he was like? in practice and even off court. Tell us a little bit about your head coach. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, John's great. I still talk to him. I, I talked to Dustin Ford. He's out there with them in Akron as well. He was, uh, he was my position coach with the big guy positions. Um, he's great off the court, like love the guy to death. You know, uh, obviously we didn't produce at a Illinois esque level, you know, when I was there not making the tournament four years in a row. Um, it's not a stain on the program. We fought hard. We were really close, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely a, I, I feel comfortable saying it was a down four years for the Illini. Um, you know, I'm still look back, you know, every year tournament time, like, damn, like w- what the hell could we have done to, you know, make this We're one game out two game out for multiple years. It's, it's tough. And, you know, as a competitor, like that got to him as well. Um, as far as him always being angry, no, but I'll tell you what, the guy's voice, the guy has a rasp on his voice that is, you know, it, you cannot reproduce it. It's like nuts. It's like he's like speaking in some kind of translator at times when he's yelling. And that just comes from like him yelling good things, yelling bad things, just like a super passionate guy and ends up losing his voice. And what comes out is a, you know, it's just real scruffy, rough type deal. So when you were getting into your freshman year there, you started off a couple wins in a row there against your, you know, your usual at home opponents. Uh, when did you first go on the road? Um, like, especially in big 10 play and what arena was like the first one you noticed that was like, Oh man, this is like big time college basketball. Do you have that memory at all about which arena or which opponent that would have yeah. been? Um, <clears throat> honestly, a couple of them like guarding, Obviously, guarding Frank Kaminsky, I mean, goddamn, I, I don't need to, you know, elaborate on that. That was tough just from a skill set level. But I would say, you know, Michigan State, uh, I'm just like, oh, like, we're we're in the shit now. Uh, Michigan State was rough. I mean, just the electricity, you know, in that arena. Um, it's, it's you know, it, it's different when it's not your arena. You know, if, if we're back in Champaign, Champaign at, like, State Farm Center, um, Assembly Hall, whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, it's wild when it's your fans rooting and going crazy and, you know, doing whatever, just providing that atmosphere. But guarding somebody like like Adrian Payne and he's just like ducking in on like ball reversals. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like I, I, I don't think my rib cage can take this. I think I might split in two. Like I'm just going to like like alien the movie. 
But yeah, M- Michigan State and guarding guys like that at a high level, I think is that's probably the first one that really pops in mind. It's so funny because that's I, I think generally speaking, those who have been around the game, obviously, like you have much closer than Taylor and myself, but Taylor and I have been watching college basketball for years on end. I think that was the first stadium, Breslin Center, that came to mind. And you think about the Izone, all that good stuff. And the Big Ten has a lot of fantastic venues. I mean, I think of obviously Illinois uh, because they've had such a great resurgence these past couple of years under Brad Underwood. And then you also think about Maryland, who's recently joined the conference. Michigan gets pretty hyped. Cole Center is really good. So the Big Ten has a lot of fantastic venues, but it does seem like the Breslin Center for a lot for for me, if I were to guess, I would be like, yeah, Michigan State seems like you had mentioned you're in the shit. Yeah, like heavy, like in the I, I don't know what to equate it to, like in in the trenches, like that is, I mean, that's it's it's big time basketball, big time energy. It's it's a fun place to play, but it can be intimidating for sure. What arena in the Big Ten did you walk into and you were like, come on, guys, it's the Big Ten. Could we get some fans in the arena? Like this, what, what was underwhelming? Was there an underwhelming arena or school that you're willing to call out here on an international podcast? Like I like also ours? I also have a guess at this and. I want to. Can I guess first so that people, when I, if you get it right or if I get it right, and I say I, I told you so, can I guess Northwestern? You can guess Northwestern. I, I it was not Northwestern. It was not what I okay. had in mind. Um, th- that is a decent guess. I, I'll tell you why not Northwestern. Uh, yeah, I'd love to talk a little shit on here because it, it honestly it felt like a home game when we played them. It, it felt like a home game. Like, we, you look around and see, like, yeah, split. You know, we got purple, we got orange, we got white. Like, I don't know who they're rooting for, but, like, we, when we had it rocking at Northwestern, yeah, we played bad games there. We lost there. But we, when we had it rocking, like, that that shit felt like a home game. So not Northwestern. Not not up in Evanston for sure. Um, the, the one for me that's uh, kind of ironic, you know, just because we we played some crazy games there, I pulled out like a triple overtime game there. But uh, I would say Rutgers. Rutgers is one we came in like they weren't playing great. They had um, trying to think of that freshman at the time, probably around like twenty fifteen. Uh, Corey Sanders, okay, kid, absolutely snapped. Just went bananas. Dropped like almost like forty pieces. I think he had like thirty eight or something. Ended up being like a triple overtime game. Walking in there, we. You know, we, we kind of – I'm not going to say we weren't prepared to play, but it was kind of like, oh, like, eh, like we, this is fine, Rutgers, whatever. And they've had great success over the past few years, and that ended up being like a hellacious battle that ended up being a triple overtime game. I, I think he he almost gamed this twice. So th- that kid just played out of his mind, and uh, we took that game a little for granted, probably for all of regulation, to be honest. You know, I'm a little disappointed in myself, but I think that is aligned with what maybe a lot of people think because I completely forgot Rutgers was in the Big Ten. Like, I, uh, oh, you're guilty. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, I think it takes some reminding people that, yeah, Rutgers is, in fact, in the Big Ten. So I think that that's why, like, my default lame venue is probably Northwestern. But yeah, Rutgers, Rutgers makes sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you said that, I wanted to agree with you, man. I mean, I, you know, the the Chicago's Big Ten team, all that shit, seeing it on billboards makes me sick driving down the highway, but whatever. Well, so I'm curious then, what about outside of the Big Ten? What about any out-of-conference games where – and this can be a neutral site as well. Uh, I, do, I don't have your out-of-conference pulled up, but 
any out of conference venues where you're like, this is amazing. And then on the flip side, you're like, this is a little underwhelming. Trying to think, uh, hard pressed to find some underwhelming ones. I think the obvious one that comes to mind is just Missouri. Um, they're in St. Louis at a neutral court. Um, little, little, little different. And so you guys know, um, not sure if you ever experienced this, probably as a fan, you can definitely tell the vibes of the building. But as far as like, like you go to Illinois and you're like, hey, like, let me get a couple of beers. They're going to be like, like, what the hell? Like, Taylor, here's some peanuts, whatever. Like, go sit down. In the game, the bragging rights game in St. Louis is like sponsored by Bud Light, big Bud Light stickers. Like th- these people are lit. Like before the game, after the game, this environment is just absolutely wild. And we always, you know, end up getting into it somehow with Missouri, like over time, whether it's like Ravante Rice hitting like a step back three to win the game, and we're all tackling them. Like it, it is always extremely emotional and always a great game, no matter how anyone's doing throughout the year. All right. So you mentioned a little bit before we get to your pro career here at Maverick, you mentioned a little bit about your four years not having made the tournament. I'm curious to know, did, did some of those seasons ever wear on you? Were you ever sort of just like, man, you know, this is a grind. I'm, I'm, I'm putting in all these hours. I'm taking all this physical abuse from egg woo every single day. And you know, we can't make a tournament. Did, did it ever cross your mind to even potentially transfer because we're even seeing some stuff like this? Take us into y- your thought process day in and day out of what you described as a non-Illinois-esque run, really. Yeah, I mean, we we all knew, like, we should have made the tournament. Like, looking back, there's nothing you can change. Obviously, you just have to move on from it, learn from it. We, we knew we had enough in the locker room. Uh, whether it be that year before tournament time or, you know, those couple weeks off season before returning for, you know, training and, you know, summer classes, all of that. Like we, we knew we had enough. Um, so I, I think people just had a little bit of chip on their shoulders and it didn't turn out the way people wanted. But I, I think that got the people like it, it affects everyone. Like I, I hope the fans are pissed off. I was pissed off. Like if I'm mad, I, I hope everyone is. I'm sure Gross was mad. All the assistants like you know, top down, it comes from them. Um, so just just taking a peek, you know, little self-awareness and being like, hey, like we have enough here uh, to get it done. It's probably the biggest thing. So, and then when you look back at your four years there, you know, everyone talks about the thing that they remember the most is just is just being with the guys on the road trips and, and those relationships that uh, you build. Is, is that true? Is that accurate? Is that what you miss most or you remember best about your time at Illinois? Yeah, for sure. Um, about a month ago, I was, I was back in the Dayton area, actually, uh, for Michael Tulip's wedding. So in his wedding, like uh, my girlfriend and I were down there. It was awesome. And just like, I don't know, it felt like I was just taken back like three or four years, just hanging out with him again. It was great. Um, probably seeing him this weekend down in Nashville. So, yeah, just you, you remember the good stuff, um, you know, kind of looking back. That's what you do remember. Like, I know we talked about not making tournaments, not doing this or that, but you, you remember all the good stuff. So you're 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 going all over the place, man, right? So you're from Ohio, played basketball in Illinois, currently in Chicago, but I think the game has taken you to far wider places. I want to talk a little bit about your professional career in Europe. So you've played in Poland, Lithuania, and obviously this isn't in Europe, but in Canada. First of all, tell us what the process looks like for a graduate who's still good enough to play professionally, clearly like yourself. What were some of the steps that you had to take? like basically once your Illinois career was over in order to be a pro overseas. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, first and foremost, it would just be, you know, kind of be, being honest with yourself, like, hey, like, do I want to do this? Am I going to double down? Am I going to roll the dice on myself? Um, chose to do that. Super happy I did. Um, you know, I'm just blessed to be able to, you know, kind of get out of basketball. It's it's a kid's game. I was able to get out without any injuries, kind of on my own terms. Um, but yeah, the first, uh, you know, official step would be like finding an agent. Um, Keith Kreider from Edge Sports, love him to death. He was actually an Illinois grad. Um, you know, so like we, even even that Maverick, like some people may not know. Like, oh yeah. like how do you literally find Keith Kreider? Is there yeah. some sort of network? Yeah, yeah. So um, honestly, like most most agents will like reach reach out to you know set base of clientele. Like they're scouting people throughout the year. Um, with NCAA rules, you know it's it's kind of a gray area. You can't be like talking to somebody. Like it can't be like, hey Taylor, like what's up? Like you're having a great year. Like hit me up. You know when your games are done. You can't do that. Big no no. And you know most people do it the right way. Keith did that. Um, so you know after the conclusion of the season, was able to link up with him kind of discuss, you know, workouts, possibilities. Um, other than that, you know, th- there is another path, another school of thought where you're kind of like, hey, I'm going to really bet on myself. No agents have hit me up. I'm going to go to this camp. I'm going to go to, you know, play at these pro-ams or, you know, different camps all set up in Vegas or Dallas, Chicago, like central locations, and agents will actually show up and look. Um, but, I, yeah, I was, I was blessed to have Keith kind of reach out to me initially. Was it a tough decision for you, like to to say, yeah, I want to double down and go pro? No, no, it wasn't. Like I, I, I know I said th- that is part of the process, though. I mean, you know, if you're if you don't have somebody kind of, you know, I don't want to say hounding you, but reaching out to you at least, um, you know, those guys at Kentucky or you know Ken, like Kendrick Non, like any of those guys have, you know, guys beating down their door as soon as the NCAA season's over. Um, that that was not the case with me. I'm sure you guys are really surprised by that. But, um, yeah, so just one of the two routes, like agents reaching out to you or you kind of going to these camps. So what was the biggest difference? Um, you know, it's kind of a similar question to the first one I asked you, but what was the biggest difference when you got over to Europe and started playing there? Uh, big, biggest differences in the style or, you know, maybe the competition? What, what was your first thoughts getting over there? Yeah, initially it's just kind of who you're playing with and who you're playing against. So, you know, some of the highest paid players over in Europe are not – you know, the 19 year olds that are like skipping high school and getting drafted in the lottery, like that's, that's not a big focus over there. Um, I would just say like being veterans, like the veteranship of the highest paid players, like the, the man strength going back to that, like guarding guys that might be like 32 or like 34 in some cases, you know, whatever it may be. And just kind of a different, different approach to the game, like not taking an extra step and, you know, a lot of Americans, like I touched the ball probably the first five or six times, Taylor, I was like called for a travel just because ball's a little different over there. Um, quite literally, the basketball is different over there. Like the FIBA balls are, you know, a little adjustment for people. Um, honestly, for big guys, I'm out there shooting like 17-foot jump shots and jump hooks. Not a huge thing, but for, you know, sharp shooting guys, I'm sure that's an adjustment as well. Yeah. It's 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 all very much an adjustment, like you had mentioned. Um, tell us about the arenas. So you mentioned the Breslin Center here. You mentioned some other venues in college basketball. Taylor and I, we've seen some Twitter videos. We've seen a lot of videos about European basketball fans and how wild it is. Tell us about walking into some of these opposing arenas, even your fan or uh, your your home arena. Yeah, um, our home arena was 
uh, I would say modest compared to some other people in the league. Like when I was in Lithuania playing playing against teams that are in the Euro League, like um, Jalgiris, uh, Aaron White from Iowa played there for a little while. Um, trying to think of some other Big Ten guys. That's that's the only one that comes to mind. Um, Travis Walkup from like SF Austin. He was there when we played him as well. But man, I, I'm wow. talking like. Yeah, so that's another one of our guys, man. Thomas Walkup is our guy. Yeah, that's, I think I just said Travis. Probably. Sorry, but yeah, like you're just not sitting in a bench. You're sitting with like a full full hood covering you. So if somebody throws like I don't know, like a smoke bomb or like an empty bottle or something, it doesn't like hit you. I'm talking like beginning of games, like they have to pause the game because there's like smoke bombs going off and like places like Shalgiris, like the the fans are just absolutely nuts in Lithuania. They're not big uh, soccer fans, which is kind of different from, you know, the entire world. So I hate to bring these people up, but were you playing in Lithuania when the Ball Brothers were in Lithuania? I, I was not. Okay. I, 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 I was there to touch you after. Okay. Not that I like to reference them that, that much on here, you know. But. <laughs> hey, man, that was literally my next question. I, I was looking at it because you played a, a pre night, right? And I yeah. was saying, now, wait a minute. Did they overlap at all? No, no. Um, I, I'm not going to say fortunately or unfortunately, but uh, no, he did not. <laughs> so another uh, legend, I should say, because we consider you now a legend, man. You're a legend to the program. You're a legend in Europe. You're an Illini legend. Take that for what it's worth. But uh, Vasilis Spanoulis, I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, but uh, he's retired. And, and what a lot of people have been calling him is and described him as is the Kobe of European basketball. Like Luka Doncic tweeted out a a, a hat tip shout out to him. Was he as like I, I just compared him to Kobe? Is that is that the truth? Like, have you heard it? Did you get a crash course uh, history on this guy? I I did not. Um, I I don't know the guy that well. Don't know him personally. Definitely, but I, honestly, the Kobe comment. I'm not sure. I'm just a little a little jaded to say no. But uh of course like European basketball is a little different. Like he he definitely does run things over there. I mean, I see you know like overseas Instagram's accounts like they're always bringing up old clips from him or like cool stuff he was always doing. So I I would say he's, you know, at that level for sure. Well, like I'm sure there's some sort of education that you have to go through in terms cuz I mean Kids growing up in America, when they get to the NBA, they know about the legends. They know about the contemporary legends, right? When you go over to Europe, was there a bit of like this history class that you had to take to see who your contemporaries were, who were some of the guys before you? I Honestly, I, I think I would have enjoyed that, but th- there was not a ton of that. Um, I Honestly, there's not. Of course, there's guys that kind of, you know, stick in certain leagues for a while, and I'm sure they just kind of learn that organically, but um, – if I could change one thing about the experience, that would have been cool to get a little crash course on, you know, who, you know, built this stage that we're now playing on. So what was the toughest part about playing in there? Did you get, are you someone that maybe gets homesick or did you miss like a, a burger and fries from time to time? Or was there any, anything like that, that you were like, man, I don't know how long I can do this for. Yeah. I definitely like the general uh, distance was tough. Uh, my girlfriend's a teacher, um, as, as you know, but you know, she's, she's free in the summer. So I was able to come out a couple times and visit, had a couple buddies come out and visit, but you know, beyond that, it's kind of like, you, you got to get outside your flat or you're going to go insane. 
Um, I'd hate to say like it's as good of an experience as you make it, but th there is some truth to that, you know, being able to like travel around on off days or, you know, see history of towns like the history over there is just like immaculate compared to don't want to say compared to the US, but the countries are much older over there, like walking in a church that's like three times as old as our country is, you know, pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you're not playing right now. Take us through your decision-making process and your thoughts. What goes through your head when you basically have to come to terms and say, I've taken basketball as far as I can. It's over and now I got to move to a different part of my life. What is that internal conversation? What's that conversation like with your family and friends? Because I cannot imagine it's it's an easy one. Yeah, uh, I would say like family, friends, you know, my girlfriend, all super supportive of the whole thing. Um, do, do I miss uh, not paying taxes or like not paying for a car? Uh, yeah, probably. That was pretty cool. But I honestly, like like I said at the beginning, you know, of the show, like it, it was nice to kind of get out on my own terms. Um, I was healthy then. I feel healthy now, which is great. Um, just good to be back. It was a great experience, but yeah, I love being back stateside. So what's your involvement with basketball now? Do you go back? Can you just go show up at the Illinois facility like any day essentially and work out? Like what, what's your involvement now with, with basketball? Um, do you show up to like men's league rec and just fucking dominate everybody down on the corner or something like that? Well, how, how much are you playing? What are you doing with basketball now? Yeah, actually, I was. Uh, I, I actually just um, kind of messed up my plantar fascia. I'm I'm in a boot right now. You you boys can't see, but I'm yeah. I'm hobbling around in a boot. I'm sure you'll see me walking on Scott, but uh, playing in a men's league down at um, the British International School, about a half mile um, from Old Town. My team is in the championship in two weeks. Of uh, raining buckets, probably be on like ESPN 18 if you guys want to check it out. But, yeah, just casually playing uh, as far as, like, going back to Illinois. I think any of the guys who had ever played there for any amount of time, transferred out, whatever it may be, feel comfortable going out. Um, haven't been back in a little while, but I know that, you know, if I wanted to show up tomorrow and give somebody, like, an hour heads up, they'd be like, oh, hell yeah, come in. So let me follow up that men's league question with Would you – are you incognito when you show up and just wear like nondescript like Nike gear, or do you show up like are you full Illinois out like just oh, making, no, no. making your presence felt like oh you guys play men's league yeah I played at Illinois <laughs> no I, I I do see people you know wherever they did play like pretty decked out honestly I have I have an extra large the Chicago sports teams I I know you guys have seen them. It's probably it looks like a belly shirt on me. Just wear an undershirt. I just come out in that and try to do my thing quietly. <laughs> no, man. See, I, I take exception to that because if I like if I'm if I'm going up against some guy, right? Obviously you're six ten and I'm like, all right, this guy's probably pretty good. He's probably played somewhere. But I need to know what I'm going up against. I need to know I'm going up against a, prof a former professional. I need to know I'm going up against a guy who played in the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, look, do it's probably good strategy for you and your teammates to come <laughs> yeah, incognito. Yeah, next time I'm going to mess with some. I'm going to show up in like a, like a USA basketball shirt, start like just barking at people at half court, see what they do. Hey, man, I, I, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> so Taylor mentioned – you going back to Illinois, a lot of times and a lot of the people that we've talked to, there's a good network, right, as being a player. 
in your time at Illinois or even outside of it, was there, who was the most famous alum that you met? Did you, were you able to meet any of the former players? Um, yeah, for sure. I uh, met Darren a couple of times. That was probably the the coolest moment for me just because, you know, we're, we're at that age where we watch that team. Um, D Brown was back on, on staff in a more, um, not really hands-on role, but just kind of working with various donors. That was really cool to have him in the gym. Like he was always, always itching to get a workout in like big surprise. He's, he's over at UIC now doing really well, but just, just those two guys from that 0405 team. Um, it's probably the coolest for me. Oh, for sure. I mean, those guys are absolute legends right now. So I mean, that's, that's a great answer. And I'll let you go on this here, Mav. Oski, your dog. So, the theater goers, what I want you to know, how do how do how did we get Maverick on the show? Because our dogs uh, will see each other on the street, and obviously, Mav, as you can now tell over the course of this past hour, is one of the most genuine, nicest dudes that we have. But you know, you introduce yourselves, you introduce your dog's name, and I heard Oski, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of fascinated with the origin there. Why don't you share that with us? Yeah. So um, originally, we we wanted to go with uh, Oski Bow Wow. Um, th- thought that was a touch too gimmicky. So he's just, just, just straight up Oski, but he's, he's great. I mean, I, I know, you know, him. he plays with cashew very well, but, um, just the origin of that going back to, um, Oski Wow Wow, the, the chief, for those of you who used to, you know, watch the da, 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 him come out, um, that was him. And that's something that, you know, is, is still part of the tradition, you know, of the sacred Illini. So just really wanted to name him that. And, I didn't know this at the time, guys, but there's there's a whole slew of Oski dogs. I see them on like Illinois Barstool, like popping up like crazy. I I need to send our picture in of our little guy. Dude, there's always like these Bernadoodle meetups in the park, or there's these Bernie's Mountain Dude or Mountain Dog meetups in the park. You guys need to you need to like start an Oski meetup. Strictly Oski's allowed. <laughs> I no shit. I feel like we would have like a couple dozen in the Greater Chicago area. It seems like there's. Uh, you know, an unlimited amount of Oskis. I love that this is where we're at in life, right? We started with talking about like, hey, what was the craziest shit that happened on a recruiting visit? To <laughs> Our dogs are best friend and we have a podcast. So hop yeah, on. Full, you know? full, full circle. <laughs> hey, this is how it happens. Look, man, turning 31 on Sunday, back hurts, Mavs plantar fasciitis or whatever is acting up. We got dogs. I mean, this is, this is life. This is, this is our lives here in 2021. Wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. That's funny. Also, happy happy early birthday, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very kind of you. Still waiting on Taylor to uh, to wish me that, and obviously the Sharks. So I do appreciate that, Mav. Thank you so much for hopping on, man. This was an absolute blast. We will absolutely get you back here uh, later on and during the season, okay? Yeah, smooth. Thank you, guys. All right. We want to thank Maverick again for jumping onto the program. Wonderful interview very insightful, very honest, very candid, which I, I do appreciate. I thought some of uh, the best content he gave us was his recruiting trips, but also being completely open about uh, his time in Europe. So Maverick, thank you again for jumping on. Have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Stay safe out there. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Snapbacks and tattoos, snapbacks and tattoos, nice whips, fly chicks, all that cause cash rules. Snapbacks and tattoos, snapbacks and tattoos, nice whips, fly chicks, all that cause cash rules. Uh, show off your hats, show off your tats. 
Show off your arms, legs, chest, show off your back, snap backs and tattoos, snap backs and tattoos, nice whips, fly chips, all that is cash. Okay, now snap backs and tattoos, rap fat, I'm that dude, my backpack got cash that, I make an ass clap like tap shoes, I'm international, y'all niggas vaginal, I pass through, fresh to death, you now enter swag school, ladies holding kisses, swag the coat and sickness, team drinky tatted on them, cause they ass is so ridiculous, and the Mozzie paparazzi, man, they can't control the pictures New M.O.B. tech, screaming money over bitches My clothes and tats, they all custom, though Something that you ain't custom to Don't come ask with the Huxtables Hoes like hats, they adjustable This is for my ladies and my fellas Getting gravy with your bodies Marked up like the train back in the 80s I spit through the test, now I'm inking my chest Trying to triple my chest, I spit through the rest Buying a Mitchell and Ness, flying and fit you the best From NY to L.A., North Cackle Snapbacks and tattoos, snapbacks and tattoos, nice whips, fly chicks, all that cause cash rules. Snapbacks and tattoos, snapbacks and tattoos, nice whips, fly chicks, all that cause cash rules. Uh, show off your hats, show off your tats, show off your arms, legs, chest, show off your back. Snapbacks and tattoos, snapbacks and tattoos, nice whips, fly chicks, all that cause cash rules. Show off your back, snapbacks and tattoos, snapbacks and tattoos, nice whips, fly chicks, all that, cause cash rules.